This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Hey everyone, welcome to Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour. Today, I'm Elisa Benson, your amazing host that you probably are following on Twitter, right? Right? Okay, so today I'm joined with three of my Cosmo coworkers, and we are talking about an issue that affects half of the population. A really important issue that affects half the population, which is your period. Yay! Inspiration. Inspiration. I'm here with Emma Barker, who is our sex and relationships editor at Cosmopolitan.com. Hi. Hi, Hi, Emma. What's up? Are you having your period? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. I'm not. Danielle McNally from Cosmo, who is Cosmo's senior editor, who just wrote a huge piece all about periods that we're going to be talking a lot about. And Prachi Gupta, who is the political writer for Cosmopolitan.com. So, hey, guys. How are you all doing? Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about this issue because as we established, periods affect 50% of the population. And Danielle, in this huge piece that you have been working on that is in the November issue, which is out on newsstands now, um, you take a really interesting angle on this, which is, you know, you mentioned in the opening of your piece that 80% of women have cramps, moodiness, irritability, real symptoms of their periods, and yet the typical response is sort of like, oh, feel better, you know? It's crazy. It's it's something that affects more people probably than almost any other health issue out there. And they're just, it seems like nobody really cares. And that's because there's been this stigma for so long that it's something dirty and you don't talk about it and it's embarrassing. And that's complete bullshit. Can I say bullshit? Yeah, absolutely. There there are are no rules in the Cosmo. It's Um, fucking bullshit. Yeah. I'll go there. You know, it just, having your period means you're a healthy woman, you know? And so it's like, I don't know why there's this um, big stigma about it, but we want to break that and let people know that they're, you know, you don't need to be embarrassed by this and like, here's the way that you can deal with it and like, your period's never going to stop sucking probably, but hopefully, you know, we can make it a little bit better for we can you. all we can it can suck for all of us together yeah. but I think you know the piece in the package which is really amazing it's this whole 12 page package that I know you've been working on for months and months you know it's sort of not even just about this idea of stigma but really about why isn't there research you know going into this right that was so surprising so I had a great team working with me and um, Laura Bial did some amazing research into why there isn't more you know, treatments. It was basically like in the 80s, they figured out that NSAIDs like Advil and ibuprofen could help with cramps. And they basically said, okay, cool. Like drop the mic, walk away. Right. Like that's it. We're done. We're done. And the, you know, and they do help some women. So that's great. But about half of women who experience severe period pain, they don't help. And so 
you know, that's a lot of women who are who have no reason, no way to deal with their period. They're missing school and missing work. Um, I thought that was a fascinating detail that you mentioned in the package that for women, this is basically the leading reason that they miss work. It's crazy. We think that that only happens in developing countries that these women are missing school and work. But, you know, a lot of women here in America are and you sound lame. You know, people right. look at you and you're like, oh, you have your period. But yeah, it can, like just suck it up. Right. Like everyone gets their period, you can do, come in. But like some people get so nauseous they throw up. Right. Like That's some actually... people are really debilitated by their period. You can't come into work and be like running to the bathroom to throw up because you're so nauseous. Right. Or their cramps are so bad they can't get out of bed. They can't yeah. walk. You know. Right. And that's actually happened to me that I've like had periods so severe that I've thrown up. And to be honest, it hasn't happened very often, but I like to talk about it all the time because I feel like (laughs) men, I'm like, I love to talk about my period. No, but I think men especially don't really realize. I think people think a cramp is maybe like a pulled muscle that you just sort of like play. like you're like sore. It's like when you like have a hard workout and then you're sore the next day. I think that's what they think it is. Right, exactly. No, that's not. Exactly. It's like, well, you wouldn't come to work or you wouldn't be able to work if you were literally like in your bed throwing up. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's a misconception about the severity of symptoms that some women experience. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that we haven't talked about it a lot makes that even worse. Because if you are a woman who has severe cramps, you're probably not talking about it. And so no men and other women who are lucky enough to not have bad cramps like don't understand where you're coming from. And then, you know, it just turns into this bigger darker issue sure like like endometriosis for example you know I didn't know what that was growing up like I did not know that that could have been an issue for so many so many of my peers like when they're complaining like we have this impulse to just say as Emma as you were saying like we all suffer from this but some women's symptoms are really severe and if we're not talking about it we don't know right how like what constitutes like okay you need extra help like this is a diagnose a medical diagnosis for yeah. something yeah I'm really not you don't okay. know when to go to your doctor and I mean we had saw that about for most women they go five or eight years without an endometrius right. diagnosis and isn't that partly you touched on this in the piece like I think that's partly because as much as we're saying like oh people don't take it seriously that extends to the medical community yeah, like doctors also don't right right well that's something that we talk about is that especially from a research standpoint you know all the grant money goes to these the big scary issues it goes to cancer it goes to Alzheimer's it goes to ALS and that's great those subjects definitely need research but this is a subject that needs research as well and because you're not like going to make your career on period pain they're just not paying as much attention to it and it's really doing a disservice to women I found that really surprising because it seems like actually if you had a big breakthrough on period pain it seems like it kind of would make your career like you would, yeah. I would be like, like yeah, it'd be like literally like world. do you know how many like every women's publication like the today show would cover that like if there was actually something where you really changed like eliminated period pain, everyone would be talking about that. I don't think that's, like, a little thing. I know. I agree with you. I think it's crazy. There was a report that came out in 2011 um, that showed there were 851 products in development for conditions that affect women. Only three of them were about endometriosis, and none of them were about cramps. Oh, my God. What are even the other, like, 848? (laughs) I guarantee it's all things for boners. (laughs) It's 90, like, 900 boner pills. Oh, my God. Less boner, fewer boner pills. Pills, more Down with boner pills. pills. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I don't care about boners. But um, 
I don't know why I said that, but um, what was I gonna? Wh- where was I going with this? Okay, so yes, we've established so far, like no one cares about periods, no research is being done, like we are all like throwing up and sick on a monthly basis and not able to come to work, and no one really cares. Love it. However, that said, um, I think another reason that it was important to do this story this year in the November issues because 2015 has really been sort of the year of the period. It has been, and that's been so great to see um, as we've started to research the piece that finally all over the world, not just in this country, people are starting to talk about it a little bit. There was um, Kieran Gandhi, who is a drummer for MIA. Some of you might know her. She ran the London Marathon um, earlier this year without a tampon um, and just, you know, free bleeding for 26.2 miles. And it really raised a lot of awareness of, you know, what do you do if you don't have a tampon? You know, what is it like if you don't have access to these things? So I think that started a great conversation. Um, and I have to, I want to talk about that for a minute because I think that's so interesting. Like, I feel like every brunch I've been to since this happened in March, it's like come up in conversation, like with my girlfriends, because there are details of the story that are weird. I mean, she essentially said in all of her, you know, that she gets very bad cramps. Mm-hmm. So she would not run when she was having her cramps. And then as this marathon, of course, that she's been training for for months and months and months was approaching, you know, it sort of synced up with her cycle. And she, you know, says we interviewed her for a really interesting story on Cosmopolitan.com. But she said she considered sort of not running. Yeah. Like her first impulse mm-hmm. was almost like, oh, well, can't do the marathon I've been training for for months mm-hmm. because of my period. Um, But, you know, it was sort of interesting because certainly athletes always get their period. Yeah, right. So I was a competitive runner in college, and this was a big issue for the girls' team. And our head coach was a man, which as a college woman is, like, awkward to bring up on (laughs) the morning of a race. Be like, coach, I just got my period. I feel like shit. Like, I don't know how well I'm going to do. Like, that feels like you're making excuses. And, like, you know, college sports is all, like, don't make excuses. It's about, like, mental toughness and whatever. Right. And so, you you know, you feel like a wuss doing that. But it really does affect you. And, you know, definitely there would be races where you were finished and you were like, this is terrible. I, like, did terribly because I'm dehydrated because of my period. I'm, like, you know, whatever. I I think we really kicked off 2015, the year of the period, with – the tennis player Heather Watson didn't play very well at the Australian Open and when she was asked about it she said she blamed it on girl things which think you know what pra- like praise because right it does affect you know your daily life and that and that sucks yeah. but i think it's important to not just brush that under the rug and hopefully if more people talk about it then people will come up with treatments for it so that it doesn't have to affect your daily life and oh go ahead Prachi. oh so i was just going to say to that point like i actually think there's such a stigma against saying oh it's that time of the month because of what it has come to mean in society like that is like we were taught growing up like you know I remember being 12 11 and hearing that like oh well she must be having that time of the month like, sure you're on TV yeah you like you're on the yeah. rag it's like yeah. you're being a bitch it's, basically it's right. code word for and you're being a bitch it's hard like now I think we're relearning that that like women are sort of reclaiming what it means to be on that time yeah. of the month. I think it's one of those things like hey boyfriend or male coworker or whatever don't you can't tell me oh it's because it's my time of the month right like, I'm gonna that's only okay right when I it's say. right it's, like sure. it's, it's used to invalidate our opinions our feelings our responses to things right. we're emotional right as just like this blanket statement for whenever somebody might think that we're doing something that's unreasonable right and <laughs> not to sort of like make this like a big picture big picture conversation about like the 
existential challenge of being a woman. I do, feel like, I do feel like I have to take this moment in the conversation to talk about how tricky this is. Because on one hand, we're saying like women should be able to talk about their periods. They should be able to acknowledge that that time of the month and having cramps and na 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 that that can really affect your performance whether it's at work or whether it's as an athlete but at the same time like in some ways does that sort of also put women in the box of being like well they aren't as tough or like like the the argument the the argument the misogynists always make against like having a woman president is that like once a month she's not going to be able to do international relations (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly but like there is like actually i would want to call out sick right right but like i think there is a bit of that like you know as much as we want recognition for it, it you know, is there a flip side of that? Of does it help perpetuate this article, this article, this argument that you know women aren't as tough or as capable? Mm-hmm. I think I, it comes down to education a little bit. I love that Key and Peel had a really funny sketch earlier this year that was the menstruation orientation for men and. Um, I think Can you, we, like, explain that a little bit for people who didn't see it? Oh, definitely look it up if you didn't. But they sort of, they were acting as if they were evangelical preachers and explaining to men what a tampon is, how women insert it, kind of making them feel like this is what it would be like if you had blood flowing out of you once a month. You know, it just, it, it was a really funny explanation um, for men of, of a bunch of different aspects of things that happen to women during their period. And I think that their take on it, you know, is just, it's the flip side of the coin of like Donald Trump, for example, and not understanding what that means and using it as an insult. And I think if we can educate people as to what actually happens to a woman during their period, then they'll they'll be able to understand it better without dismissing it. Um, We did an interesting focus group with some young 20s guys who came into the offices when we were working on the piece to find out what they really thought about periods. And I thought it was interesting. Most of them said they would want to know when their girlfriend had her period so that they could be extra sensitive to it and not dismiss her and, you know, kind of have that back and – like they have that nuance in their relationship of knowing – whether she's being unreasonable or whether there might be something else affecting it and be sensitive to her. So I don't know. I just think men need to, like, learn more about periods, and so we got to talk about them. Right. And <laughs> I have yeah. to say that I have trained my husband to just go out and buy dark chocolate bars when he knows I'm on my period. And it's really well something trained. that every woman should aspire to in her relationship. <laughs> that is relationship goals. I love it. Um, Danielle, you touched on the trump Megan Kelly controversy. I feel like we need to like unpack that a little bit. Prachi, oh do you want to take a stab at it? Yeah, you covered this a little on the Sure, site. yeah. I mean, so basically, um, during one of the presidential debates, uh, Megyn Kelly actually did a really fabulous job, and as did, I think, the other uh, moderators in that debate. Um, and, you know, she was asking him about his comments towards women, and the context was that, you know, if you are against Hillary Clinton in this race, how do you think that reflects on you as a president, and do you think that that is presidential? And his response to her was, I mean, first he immediately dismissed it, and then he went on Twitter, and he went on other um, sites and just started um, bashing her in very sexist terms. And one of the comments he made was, "Well, she had, she must have had blood coming out of her wherever," um, which was a way to just invalidate. You know, here's a woman who's just doing her job and, and really the, calling you out and taking and, you to task. Right, exactly. And she was just, she was doing her job and she was doing it well. Um, and when challenged, he just went straight for the 
I'm going to just invalidate everything you're saying because maybe you're on your period. Right, right. <laughs> and I think that sort of like kicked off this, you know, exactly what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation, sort of kicking off this moment of how traditionally like a woman being on her period has really been thrown around as an insult. Right. Um, and again, like that's so tied to what we're saying. Like on one hand, like we want to be able to talk about our periods and sort of have that out in the world as something that people are talking about, but at the same time, it's still really being used as an insult. Which isn't to say that I think it's worth taking anything Donald Trump is saying very seriously. I mean, he's insane, and he he intentionally says things that are meant to be, um, you know, to get him press. Like, that's been his sort of entire strategy. Like, when you, I guess, don't have, like, real ideas to just, like, say things that... (laughs) I do have to say that I I do have a little bit of hope... um, about men of upcoming generations understanding periods a little more, and I don't know if this <laughs> go <has> on, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Right. I don't know if this has to do with um, maybe you know sex ed is better or what. I mean, it's is definitely sex be- ed better. I mean, I think that's another conversation. Yeah, like that's that. another conversation. But it's definitely I'm better than whatever Donald Trump got. Right. Um, but. Uh, one thing that I've noticed a lot of is a really changing attitude on at least on cosmopolitan.com towards period sex. Um, and guys seem a lot more, you know, there's all these like trend pieces that are kind of like disgusting in a way about like quote unquote bloodhounds blood yeah. who are like guys who like fetishize period sex, which is like one thing. Wow. But <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> um, but then there's just like I think, you know, it's a time like women still want to have sex. It's like a whole week out of your month if you're in a long term relationship. That's like a whole time a whole week of every month that you are probably just being asked to give blowjobs. <laughs> Some of the guys in our focus group actually were like, oh yeah, head week. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, but we, so we, we've been covering period sex a lot more on the website and it's been really popular as a topic. And I think it's because a lot of women don't really know how to bring it up, but they're like, you know, I, I want to have sex. Well, like I'm not like an invalid or like disgusting person during this week, and I think a lot of guys are coming around to it and just being like, you know what, sure. Well, what's like as long as you're not getting it on the sheets because that's legitimately like <laughs> a money concern, of, like having to buy new sheets. <laughs> the, the, Especially if you're a man, because you inevitably have one pair of sheets right, yeah. that you your mom a, bought you, and you then like... you haven't changed since freshman year. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which, by the way, you should be changing them every other month. Um, but women might. It's not just like oh, I'm a sexual being and I like to have sex and I don't want to skip it for a week, but all of the hormones that are raging through your body that cause all these other issues during the period, for a lot of women, actually make them more aroused. It makes Mm. them hornier because they have these... You know, so it's like hormones. take advantage of a dude's right. right. So like, not only do you just want to have sex because you're a sexual being, but now you extra want to have sex, and you know it yeah. become it's like there are ways shower try shower yeah. sex. Sure, I mean towel down. I think yeah. it's interesting <laughs> to think about like will the sort of like acceptance of period sex sort of trickle up to have to make men more conscious or more understanding of periods in general. But um, I like to think about that as, I mean, that's what I we do at Cosmos. I mean, I think sex is a way to I think the they world. think of it as yeah. like this gross thing because they're like, they don't really understand what it is. Like they don't even really know what's coming out of you. Like right. what is right. happening. Right. <laughs> but like if they're like directly involved and like 
I mean, not to be gross, but like touching it. Right. It's like, I think they'll realize that it's not that weird. Right. Well, and also it's just sort of like sex is a little messy anyway. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, we yeah. really break down sex. Yeah. Right. It's not that sexy. Right. No. Like, it's like there are lots of fluids going yeah. on. Like, but um, I think, I don't know. The idea, Emma, of you saying actually touching it, I mean, I think that's another sort of confusion is there is certainly this idea that blood that comes out of your vagina is more terrifying (laughs) or more whatever than like any other kind of blood. And I think that's, you know, going back to the woman who ran the marathon and was free bleeding, free bleeding during it, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon for an athlete in any sport to be bleeding to be bleeding exactly and you know or to be like shitting their pants and honestly yeah. like you see that in marathons all the time yeah. i don't know why like, this is like uh, right. somehow like more gross right right but like certainly there is that idea that it's like there is something different about blood down there right. than happening anywhere else mm-hmm. and um another thing that happened earlier this year and emma i think you edited this piece on the site but um there was sort of a controversy when instagram had removed images of a woman who she had like blood through she her was, pants. Sure, and she was an bed. artist, and she was an artist, and she had someone photograph her. I don't know if she maybe it was a self portrait, um, and she had someone photograph her laying in bed with her back to the camera and like a blood spot on her pants. Right, and Instagram removed the photo because they thought it was inappropriate. Right, um, and, and she then posted it a second time. She posted it a second time, and eventually Instagram issued an apology and did say like we're sorry this was not explicit like we shouldn't have taken it down right and I think right. but- why is a natural healthy bodily function offensive to yeah. people sure you know? of course and I think the other thing about that and you know this always every time like Instagram or Facebook anytime these social networks become under fire for what they're removing you know of course the flip side of the argument is always like you don't remove images of you know if somebody posts a scrape on their knee exactly that's <laughs> exactly you don't remove that but like of course these things that sort of feel typically feminine seem like they're under right. more scrutiny um, but you know I think that You know, I think even, like, as much as I'm talking about how important it is to discuss all these issues, you know, I looked at those photos and I was like, I would never, like, I would never (laughs) post, you know, like, I'm glad there's an artist out there that's willing to do that. But I think even for many women, we have sort of, like, a visceral reaction to those photos or the photos of the marathon runner, you know, because that is really... As much as we all want this conversation to be out there in public, that is still the worst nightmare. Right. right. You, yeah. You've been taught to be ashamed of your period. And I do think that the nightmare is that, like, oh, you're going to have a stain. And I think that brings it to a bigger picture of, like, well, then we need to make sure that all women have access to the products that they need mm-hmm. to take care of this. You know what I mean? If you don't want to see it, then let's make sure that all women have tampons, have pads, have yeah. menstrual cups, whatever they want. Yes. And, you know, teach men and women about using them, about you know, what they cost, where they come from, all those things, so that it's not, like, if you don't want to see it now, it doesn't have to be an issue. Right. And can you talk a little, Danielle, about the campaign that we're actually kicking off with the November issue in the magazine and online that is addressing that very issue? Yeah. So we have, there's kind of two um, major social justice issues that I learned about when I was working on this piece. Um, And the first is that there aren't sales tax in most states on quote unquote essential items so food being being the main one yet 40 out of 50 states do have sales tax on sanitary products and as i think any women woman of menstrual age can tell you those are 
essential. You know, you you have to be able to buy your sanitary products. So for a lot of women who are low income, that extra sales tax, while it might seem small to some people, it, it can mean a lot to women who have to pay that. Um, so we are actually starting a change.org petition to reach out to state legislatures to in the 40 states that do tax, add sales tax to sanitary products to get them to remove that because that's just, uh, you know, it's it's not fair to women who have to buy those products. And we sort of all know on some level at the end of the day, it's just sexism. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's it less is. about the two cents and more about the principle right. of like, this is an essential item and it needs to be acknowledged. Sure. Like and we, Prachi actually wrote a brilliant op-ed that's going live next week on cosmopolitan.com that's related to this topic of taxing tampons and you know basically why the fuck are tampons still taxed? <laughs> right. I hope that's the headline of your piece. So talk Unfortunately about- not for advertising. But- <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about the piece you put together, Prachi. Yeah, I mean it, it basically comes from this observation that you know periods, we, as Danielle was saying that these are these products that we need and Yet we are so we're on one hand we're like stigmatized against having periods. Then we're also being punished for the, the economically for having products that we need to keep them hidden and out of sight. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I think that the most effective petition would honestly just be organizing like a free bleed day mm-hmm. and then going to our politicians <laughs> and being like, "Hey, you want to do something about this?" Yes. Oh my god, outside of the Capitol building. Right. Oh I mean, my how god. effective would that be? Right. <laughs> I am both like feeling goosebumps because I'm inspired, but also like cringing and wanting to die inside. Right. Which is like exactly why it's good to talk about this. Right. Okay. Um, so you're gonna head that campaign. So <laughs> we'll be right behind um, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Basically, I mean, as you mentioned, 2015 is a year of the period, and one of the big ways we're seeing that is that Canada became the first country to just abolish the tampon tax after facing a lot of public pressure and petitions. And we've, we're seeing like activists in the UK and Australia pushing for that, and now you know, in America, we're doing the same thing. Um, in America, it's a harder battle because, as Danielle mentioned, the state, uh, it, it's regulated on the state level. Um, so we have to individually petition every state. Um, but it is it is cents on the dollar, um, but it is really a fairness issue as well. Mm-hmm. So, but there are so many ways where women are taxed or have to pay extra for tampons. It's not just... Um, through tax, like low-income women who rely on food stamps, they can't use federal assistance for feminine hygiene products. You'll see instances where they'll actually like sell their food stamps so that they can have enough money to buy these products. Like they have to make these choices. Um, tampons are not tax-deductible medical expenses um, under the in the federal government on like your FSA, for example. Um, you know, in prisons, tampons are rationed, not in all prisons, but in, it's been reported in some prisons, they're being rationed and withheld from prisoners as a form of punishment. Yeah, don't um, believe orange is the new black. I don't think prisoners yeah. are going around using sanitary pads as, like, eye masks and slippers. <laughs> yeah, they're not, like, yeah, that show. Like, it's certainly, yeah. So the tampon tax is one way to bring... Addressing the ta- the state level tampon tax is one way to bring attention to all of these other issues of inequality that we see when it comes to feminine hygiene products, and hopefully that can jumpstart a conversation about how our stigmas towards periods and how we treat them in society. 
as and well. And if, if you want to know um, if your state taxes tampons, you can go to change.org and search our petition, which is called No Tax on Tampons, or just search Cosmopolitan. And we have a map there that shows you um, which of the... But chances are your tax yeah. is tax. <laughs> it's worth out of 50, so unless you're so lucky even, enough to yeah. live. Um, but I sign it anyways, I was really guys, proud to for your see friends. that my home state of Minnesota does not. And I am mine. Pennsylvania does nice. not. Yeah. Here in New York, we're getting taxed. Yeah. And I, I also want to say that kind of reminded me as you were talking that another issue that's kind of, you know, been bubbling up this year in the year of the period is this idea of should workplaces provide free tampons? Hearst actually does. Go Hearst. Yeah. Go Hearst. Love and like it. they sort of have to because Hearst is a company that owns a ton of <laughs> magazines that are mostly staffed by <laughs> women. <laughs> mostly staffed by women and for women. So um, that's great. But um, also randomly, the place where I get my hair cut, Bumble and Bumble, I noticed Ooh. they have a free tampon machine nice. in there. But I, you know, I thought that's the same thing. This is a business that is predominantly serving women. Um, and, you know, I think the whole argument behind that is, like, of course you expect a workplace to have toilet paper. Right. Right. But is toilet paper any different than needing a tampon? I, I don't no. think so. I, mean, I think it goes back to, you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago, businesses, big corporations were starting and having, you know, bathrooms for your employees, and they're mostly controlled by men and so they don't think they think okay when I go to the bathroom I need soap mm-hmm. I need paper towels and I need toilet paper but I think if these countries were or if, sorry if these companies were owned by women they would say yeah, I also need a pad or a tampon right, right. and right. like maybe some dry shampoo and a bobby pin <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding um, so we talked about sort of that is the first issue that you raise and then do you want to talk the change.org petition that Cosmo is launching do you want to talk about Danielle the second sort of social just- justice issue coming out of your piece sure so um, you know, already low-income women are being hit with all of the unfair economic issues that Prachi was just speaking about. And then if you are um, homeless or in a domestic violence shelter, you know, your your income is even more precious to you. And these shelters aren't stocked often with sanitary products. So where are these women going to get them? You know, that's not something that they keep in stock unless they get donated. And most people don't think about donating them you know to a food shelter you think about donating food sure yeah. um, and even when you donate money oftentimes that money goes towards something that can quote unquote be used by every person in that shelter which would be food which would be clothes things that men can also use they're not, you know they they even uh, discriminate against it there. Right. And the thing that's that at some shelters is their um, showers are rationed. So if you don't have access to sanity products and you can only take a shower once a day, I mean, just it's a, it's a real health issue for homeless women um, beyond just an embarrassment issue. So we've partnered with Distributing Dignity, which is a charity based out of New Jersey. Um, they donate sanitary products to um, domestic violence shelters, homeless shelters, to girls um, in foster care and aging out of it all over the country. Um, so we partnered with them to raise money for them to buy sanitary products that then they'll they'll then donate. Um, and $7 is about the average cost of a box of sanitary products. So um, if you want to go to cosmopolitan.com backslash tampons for all and donate $7 there, um, you can know that you're, you're giving some some much needed supplies to a woman. Yeah, and it really is much needed. We've been working on a series of interviews with uh, 20-something homeless women for Cosmopolitan.com that will um, go live next week. 
on the website, or I guess this comes out next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll go live now. Deets it's live right now. These are confusing. I don't know. Where am I? Um, <laughs> the point is, uh, you know, a lot of women in their early 20s who become homeless uh, still have a lot of friend connections, which is great and helpful for them in that, you know, you're when you're 21 and you're homeless, you probably still have some of your high school friends. They're not sick of you mooching off them yet. You can still <laughs> stay with your cousin or you can still stay with whoever. And um, several of the women that we interviewed said that basically they'll, you know, really stock up on tampons during that time uh, when they are able to stay with someone and then just hope that that carries them over until the next time they can find someone to stay with, um, which would be so stressful. And, you know, one of the women we also talked with uh, was saying that her main priority is keeping herself clean and that's not even just for the purposes of like trying to find a job um, but also just for her own dignity sure, you know yeah. you want to mm-hmm. feel like a person and not like disgusting and dirty and um, her period was a really big problem for that because can you imagine going to a job interview and being worried you're bleeding through your pants the whole time right. like, like that. that's not a yeah. thing that we have to worry about and you know a lot of people criticize homeless women or homeless people in general and are just like, you know, get a job. Why aren't you getting a job? But like that, that is hard if you don't have a place to shower and it's even harder if you don't have a way to, you know, keep your period in your pants. Should be keep your period in your pants. Um, but it, you know, it makes it even that much harder for them to, um, be a part of society. Absolutely. So go to cosmopolitan.com, um, go to change.org, sign the petition about reducing the taxes or eliminating the taxes, I should say. Go to cosmopolitan.com, um, donate your $7 and buy someone who really needs tampons, a box of them. Use hashtag tampons for all to share the message on social. I think this is just something that you know, it affects all of us, even if we don't think about it or are nervous to talk about it. And so I kind of want to end our episode for a few minutes, taking this in a totally different and more fun direction, but talking about periods in pop culture. And I feel like, you know, I I think one thing that was actually written about a lot, especially during like the Twilight era, was how come Bella never has her period? (laughs) (laughs) You sort of of never, you never see um, depictions of women having their periods. And to be fair, you don't usually see depictions of characters going to the bathroom in general. You know, like, of course, we're cutting out that sort of, you know, like minutia of your day-to-day life in the movies. But, um, you know, I appreciated in Wild the book where she talks about there's a little portion of the book if you guys have read it where the character who is um you know hiking why did I just forget the name the of it sure. yeah I was like yeah. hiking the yeah Pacific Coast Trail um you know for she's out there for what two months completely on her own and she talks in a portion about having her period out there and she kind of mentions that like her stomach was hurting and then all of a sudden she realized like oh right this like I completely <laughs> yeah. forgot about it um and I'm pretty sure they cut that completely from the movie yeah um even though of course like that's one of the first things I think is a lady that you think about is being out in the wilderness for two months like what do you do when you have your period um and another pop culture example that comes to mind for me that i feel like is so real is of course bringing it back to sex in the city and the episode where carrie is trying to get a table at the hottest new restaurant in town and of course the hostess 
is sort of blowing her off, telling mm-hmm. her she needs to wait. And then she goes into the bathroom while she's waiting, and the hostess comes in and realizes that she needs a tampon, and Carrie gives her one. And it's sort of this, like, girl bonding moment of, like, we have all been there. And mm-hmm. I think they even make a line of, like, you know, the most powerful woman in New York sort of this idea that that could be a hostess boss. Like, it still gets her but Right. <laughs> and also the most powerful woman in New York is the one that has an extra tampon to yeah. share with yeah. you when you might bleed through your pants. Yeah. Um, can you guys think of other sort of pop culture examples either of depicting that time in the month or sort of skipping it in a way that maybe felt like it should have been addressed? I mean, I always think of the line in Mean Girls um, where she says, I can't help it if I have a wide set vagina and <laughs> yeah. have heavy flow. Heavy flow and a wide set vagina. And, you know, it's like that so many women have such you might not you might have a really heavy flow, you might have a really light flow. It's totally random. Um and I think though that it shouldn't be if you have a wide set vagina and a heavy flow, like don't be embarrassed. <laughs> um it I, just we thought, have a- I always think of that when I think that that, that was um a funny line that stuck out to me. Um, that's a good one and we sort of have like a joke. I need to start some kind of like I don't even know what it's called, like countdown clock but we have a joke that basically every episode of the Cosmo podcast someone brings up Mean Girls (laughs) yay Danielle you and the Mean Girls it's like inevitable like any conversation between four or more women will eventually reference Mean Girls and or Sex in the City which I just did But um, no, that's such like a, a good reverse one. blood so test or something. <laughs> like how yeah. four women talking to each other exactly. they will bring up these movies. Um, exactly. I actually cannot even think of a situation in a movie where someone gets their period. Right. And I think that just shows that no one gets their period in movies. Right. Um, and I, th- I don't think people even like exchange tampons that much. Sure. Like there's not even a moment of like, oh, I don't have tampons or like I need a tampon. Right. Yeah. I can't think of a single one. Um, Emma, you told me once, and, like, of course at Cosmo, we work in an office of, like, 99.9% women, and the few men that work here, we basically, like, ignore. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, sort of. Sorry to our uh, producer, who's currently in the room. (laughs) We just learned his name. Right, exactly. Mason, hi. Um, But... Emma, you told me once that, because I feel like when I, like, am going to the restroom, I feel like I still do the sort of, like, tampon in my sleeve thing. And yes. Emma, I feel like you were joking. You were like, what? Really? Like, yeah, I just, like, wave that thing around. Me. Yeah. I literally will, like, I have a box of tampons that's open in a desk drawer. And I'll just, <laughs> like, like on throw the desk drawer open, like, spraying tampons across <laughs> the room. And then just, like, grab one and be like, gotta go. And, like, <laughs> No shame. Uh, in yeah, training. no shame at all. But the, <laughs> the only reason I honestly got comfortable with that is because we do work in a workplace with all women. And I just was like, you know what? Like, if anyone makes fun of me for this, this is, it's embarrassing for them, honestly. Right. But I did, like, I think it actually came up with our associate editor, Tess, as well, one time, where she was like, oh, my God, like, I love how you just, like, brandish your tampons. Right. And, um... She was like, I definitely like still like try to kind of hide it, right. or, like the taking your purse with you to the bathroom, right. or like putting it up your sleeve, or like putting it in a pocket. It's like, why do you have to do that? Yeah, I've I only started once I was working on this piece. I was like, I'm gonna be proud of my period. Yeah. I'm gonna just carry my tampon to the bathroom, and I don't care. And I think that that will really help, you know, get get this conversation going even further. Um, so we really want girls to be proud of their 
period. It means you're a healthy woman. Um, so we'd love it if you guys would take a selfie with your tampon or your pad or your diva cup, whatever you use, um, and and send it, tweet it to us or um, tag us on Instagram, hashtag tampons for all. Um, so that we can show the world that having a period is not a bad thing. Yeah, and like make it cute. Like draw a funny face on your tampon. Like <laughs> I like how I was like, don't just send us a boring tampon. No, I don't want a boring tampon right, selfie. Like, like make a, your tampon into right, a mustache no, for your face. Yeah, yeah. And then like tweet a selfie with that. No basic tampon selfies. If we raise the bar here. Yeah, yeah, yeah some creative. tampon inspiration um, in our piece. There's some really, really adorable tampon art that we have. Um, so pick it up, take a look. Yeah, googly eye tampons. They're really yeah. cute. You said, I actually loved this. I'm, you guys all have to look in the November issue. The story is so great. But you said you guys commissioned an artist to basically design tampons to represent different period symptoms. So oh. there's like the bloated tampon. And like, they look so cool. They look so cool. They look so cute. They're one of the, um, my favorite art I've ever had with a piece before. And and yeah, we got a really great um, art. Who's, she's like a prop artist. Um, and she's got... A tampon that's got weight gain, a tampon that has headaches and migraines, a tampon that has acne with adorable red jewels all over the tampon. I wish my acne looked like <laughs> I, know, like, acne I wish I got color. like bedazzled when I had right, acne. Right. <laughs> um, and it just is to me really shows that like we can ha- have fun and this can be whimsical and it doesn't have to be something that we take so seriously. It's like, I mean, we should take it seriously in the research and we should come up with better treatments. But yeah, And stop the tax. <laughs> yes. In real life, um, let's just, like, own it. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know why. That was, we're like, yeah, own it. Like, okay. <laughs> I think I just, that was like the mic drop. Of right, this that was the mic drop. <laughs> we're done. It's over. It's over. Um, so, yes, please celebrate period, the year of the period with us at Cosmo, um, both because it can be fun, as Danielle said, but also it can be very serious and important. So um, I think that's it. Unless anyone has anything else they want to say about their period. Period confession? No? Yes? Um. No? I don't even know what that would mean. I don't know, but maybe add them to your um, tampon selfies, right. girls. Make that the caption. Hashtag period confession. Yeah. <laughs> We've given our listeners a lot of, a lot to do. There's I a lot of homework sorry. for yeah. this episode of Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour. But um, thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to my fabulous co-hosts today. I'd love to end with you guys shouting out your Twitter handles so people can tweet you their tampon selfies. Yeah, <laughs> please tweet me a lot of, but only creative ones. If you tweet me a, just you and a tampon, I'm going to, like, no. respond with just, like, a shade tree. Yeah. Um... <laughs> My name is Emma Barker. I'm the sex and relationships editor at cosmopolitan.com, and my Twitter handle is at Emma June, E M M A, June, like the month of June. Great. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so excited we got to chat about this today. I'm Danielle McNally. I'm the senior editor over at the Cosmo Print Edition, overseeing health and wellness, and my Twitter handle is at Danny S. McNally. So that's D A N I S. McNally, M-C-N-A-L-L-Y. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you had as much fun as we did in this room. Um, My name is Prachi Gupta, and my uh, senior writer at Cosmo, and my Twitter handle is Prachi Gu, that's P-R-A-C-H-I-G-U. And I'm Elisa Benson. You can follow me on Twitter at E-L-I-S-A-B-E-N-S-O-N. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.